A few years ago, I remember I was teaching at the old Buckwalter. We had just pretty much just got in there, and a guy comes in here with his wife, and they sat in there, and it's pretty obvious when there's 10 people in there that somebody new shows up. And he came up to talk to me afterwards, and I'll always remember this. And he said, um, I don't know what this is, but I'm a Baptist. I will never forget that. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I mean, we just teach the Bible here. And he's like, yeah, but I'm a Baptist. I'm like, okay, cool. And it was Kevin. And I always remember that. I don't know why, but um, as he's just continued to grow and he's had a different uh, background from that Baptist background, coming to Calvary Chapel and now being uh, one of the leaders here and the Lord using him and seeing him. And I, th I think it's been such a blessing to me over the years to have a part of that. So I'm glad to have Kevin come up. We're going to pray with him, and then he's going to lead us in the next chapter of 1 John. And I don't think, are you still a Baptist? Yeah, he's mad, <laughs> mad at me now. Lord, we thank you so much for Kevin. We pray you use him this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you hear me? I'm on. I, apparently, I didn't get the memo. I asked for a stairmaster to get me up the steps. Because I, <laughs> but that along with a Jedi order last month, but still not here. It's on back order. All right. Well, we're going to camp out in 1 John chapter 3 tonight. And before we go there, I want to say, let's open up a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, well, here we are, Lord. We're here to listen from you, what you have to say. Just make this simple, Lord, as simple as little children that we can understand it and apply it. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Back in the 60s, they used to have a TV show. Not many people here are my age, but it was called Father Knows Best. Anybody ever hear of it? And it was a portrait of a good father. He really did give good advice. But the problem here is even for the people out here and watching on YouTube and online or whatever, not everybody had a good father. Not everybody had one. What, first, what the book of John is, is trying to tell us, if we abide in him, you cannot have a better father. So my question is, if you never had a good father, do you want one? You can't go wrong with this. So we're going to start, I'm going to read the first, uh, follow along, first 17 verses. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed that we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. 
In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren. If the world hates you, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So going back over to the first two chapters, chapter 1, as I was brilliantly uh, portrayed, you'll see the word in there, we, a lot, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. Who is the we? They're speaking to Christians, and there's many people out there on TV or the, or the, the YouTube or whatever you're watching tonight don't know what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, you probably heard that before. You just shrugged it off. And you've probably seen these, the signs at football games, John 3.16, and you've seen all these, these signs. And you've heard it, and you just scoffed at it. How can this be true? Well, who is Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, he is God in the flesh. Whoa, 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 whoa what are you talking about there? You, you're... you're you're confusing me. Well, yes, in the, in, the, in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, it says, let us create man in our image. Who is the us and who is the our? It, it kind of thinks that there's, a, there's plural there. So there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But God loved us so much that he became flesh. John 1.1 1, 1 says, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And if you jump down to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we have to be born again. There's another word that some people by not have heard. What do you mean born again? Well, Nicodemus answered that, asked that same question to Jesus. I mean, Jesus asked that same question to Nicodemus. Forgive me there. And it was a peculiar, peculiar question to ask. It was asked that way because he's going to ask, what do you mean? Do I have to be born again, go back into my mother's womb? What does this mean to be born again? I don't understand it. But to be born again is to be born of the Spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we become born again. We are now adopted into his family. And then we have a Heavenly Father who loves us and looks after us and just wants what is the best for us. And we've seen that in chapter 2. We, we, you see chapter, little children, and then it said, my children. And so the whole book of the theme is growing in the grace and maturing as a believer. I used to think that the Bible, before I became a Christian, was a book of rules to keep us from having fun by. I really did. For the longest time, I would scoff at it because I didn't like Christians because they just seemed so weird. 
you know, just always smiling or, or going to Bible studies and and I was a brute of a guy back in high school. I just I, I just didn't want no part of it. And then uh, I finally uh, came to Christ in high school back when I was 17. And it's there's times that I that the Lord can just shake his head at me. He's like, oh, Kevin, what are you doing? But the same thing, what do we do with our kids? You know, we're in the grocery store, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have your little toddler, and all of a sudden he drops his pants and goes, that's not my son. Where's the, where, where's the cornflakes anyway? And you're looking around. We there's there's times in our lives, but no matter what we've done or what we we still love our kids. You know, our kids could do the dumbest thing, the dumbest things, and I'm one. But yet, you you touch my kid, or you go near my kid, you go near my wife, or anything like that. You, my fists are coming up. That's just me. That's the flesh. So we're going, to, we're going to see that we have a good father, one who loves us, one who cares for us. And the rules that you see, the law that you see, which brought us to Christ, are there for our own good. It's to keep us from getting hurt. Just like when your father disciplines you, it's not just because oh, he's, a, he's a big, tough guy. He's, he does it because he loves you, and he does not want you to get burnt on that stove, or he does not want you to, to fall off that, that thing you're playing on. We have to, to really know who our Father is, and this is a process. And, you know, you can go back and forth and back and forth and, and not really mature. You can be prodigal. You can go away for a while and be in, in a state of sin. You're going to reap what you sow. The Bible says you will reap what you sow. Nevertheless, our condition is sure. We have salvation, not probation. We cannot lose your salvation. The Bible says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So if we sit back and know all the promises that he has in here, we should want to be closer to a father like this. Now, I didn't have a good father relationship. My father left when I was nine years old, and then I had a stepfather who was abusive. So a lot of us didn't have that, but like I said, do you want one? If you've accepted Christ and you don't know what it is to walk with him, let's learn tonight. So let's, let, let's go back, and uh, we'll go through verses 1 and 2. Again, it's, it's speaking to believers. This is little children maturing, and... Uh, after we receive Christ, we are now adopted into the family. So behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now, as, now we as children of God, and it has been, not yet been revealed that what we shall be, but we shall know that when he is revealed, he shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. That's the hope that we have in Christ. It's, it's a glorious hope. It's some, it's, everybody in here, if you, if you talk to anybody one-on-one, everybody's looking forward to the rapture. Everybody, but there's, your eternal life begins once you trust Christ. It's not something down the road, well, what I die, you've got to wait for. He is perfecting that work in you right now. 
Because it says, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the end. We just get in the way. We, we lose the blessings because we interrupt, because God gives us free will. We, we can choose to, to believe in him and abide in him, or we can choose not to. It's as simple as that. So this is basic Christianity but yet it needs to be repeated over and over and over and over again because we're just stupid sheep, are we not? We continually have problems and we continually repent. The, the sign of a maturing believer, and Pastor Mike has said this, is that we repent quicker. Okay, And there's different signs of us maturing in the Christian life. We're going we will want to pray for one another. We want to intercede for each other. We see a problem, we're going to address it. When we don't have that, then we're more self-centered and are centered on ourselves to, to what we want, especially in our prayer life. I mean, if our prayer life has a big list every night of the things that I want, and I'm going down that list, and I don't start off that thing with praise, I love you, Father, and thank you for all you've done. To me, this book is like I spent years in the sales force, and I know when you're trying to sell something, you go through features and benefits. There are so many features of who Christ is and what he is like in this word, and there's so many benefits that we don't take advantage of. The fruits of the Spirit is one. Think of them. So, and I was thinking of a, a verse that that's, came to me. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. Sometimes we treat scripture like a billboard. You you drive down the road, and you see the billboard, and it, grabs your attention, about 10 minutes later, you forgot what that billboard said, you, but you didn't pay much, you didn't chew on it. I'm giving you some homework. Read this verse tonight. Read it three times and meditate on it. Do we really, if you pick it apart, little by little, do we really trust in him with all our heart? Do we do it? No, I don't think we do. Are we consistent at it? I don't think we are. I think every hand here could raise and say that we could be better. We could do better. And I know I could do better. Excuse me. Ephesians 1.5. After we receive Christ, we are now adopted into the family. And Ephesians 1.5 clarifies this having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, that, I'm not going to get into predestination. Okay, God does not predestinate our choice. He predestines the results of our choice. You choose Christ, you're going to go to heaven. You don't choose Christ, John 3, 17 and 18 tells you differently. 
Okay, it's as simple as that, but yet we can go down rabbit trail after rabbit trails with these things, and it's simple. It's made for children. A child can understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, and a child can be growing and maturing just like your kids, for those who are married, are. So can we, even as adult, even as a 66-year-old man, or whatever you age you guys are, you can start fresh. Right where you're at tonight. Fresh. Let's let's I'm tired of looking at this. You know what the Christian life is, if you were people ask people what it is, well it's not clicking like on Facebook. It's not put putting a nice little post up. Well look what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this. That's not being being a Christian is being involved in other people's lives like Christ was involved in other people's lives. We have to do that. My last message, I said that, you know, the Christian life can be summed up in one word, others. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his son not into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him will not be condemned. He that believeth this is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the only begotten name, Son of God. That's the gospel. It's very clear. You, you trust Christ, you're going to heaven. You don't trust in him, you're not. You can get off on these tangents of predestination or, or, or this or this theology here or whatever. Just as simple, simple as a child can understand it. Take it to heart and take your growth to heart too. So um, we have come to know the Father as little children and maturing children and will continue to grow. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. This is Paul speaking. Not all of us can say that. Like I said, I used to think the, the Bible was a book of rules to keep us from having fun by. I've had more fun since I became a following follower of Christ than I have in years. I have, I can you know, sit there and bust chops with anybody and be sarcastic and have fun. That has nothing to do with, with uh, maturity. What happens to the maturity is our, our obedience to Christ and listen to what our Father, our Father has to say and not what we want to say. All right, so I got past two. Forgive me here. All right, so verses uh, 4 and 5. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, and you know that he most manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. We break the law every time we sin. Romans six fourteen says this. For sin shall not have dominion over you, For you are not under the law, but we are under grace. Thank God for that. We are not, I mean, Romans 8, 1 sums it up after everything. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. 
but do we go on sinning? Oh, God forbid. You're going to reap what you sow. You touch a hot stove, you're going to get burnt. I'm just trying to make this as simple as possible. If we follow him, we're going to bear fruit. If we don't follow him, life's going to be a lot harder, a lot worse. Okay, verses, uh, let's go verses 6 to 10. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for a devil has sinned from the beginning. Did I say six to ten, right? For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. That's kind of, because James says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, as the truth is not in us. Well, we have this thing called the flesh and the spirit, and they, we dwell both of each other, and we're going to go over that in a few, few minutes, but who we yield to. If we're yielding to the Spirit and following it, we're not sinning when we're doing that. It's when we're not abiding in the vine is when we can be sinning. But we do have our flesh, you know, our heart condemns us because of sin, but when another sign of maturing, as I said earlier, we sin less. We're not sinless. We have sin. It's just when we're abiding in Him, we're not sinning. Second Corinthians, wait, let's go to John 15, 5 through 7 first. Okay. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, picture, again, I want to make this simple as, as, as possible, just like you're t- t- talking to kids because we're children. A fruit cannot grow Let's take a pear. It's not going to grow unless it's on the vine. It can't say, I want nothing to do with these guys here. I'm just going to get on the ground here. I'm going to grow up down here. No. It has to abide. It's as simple as that. You ha- if you're going to grow, you have to abide in him. And that requires obedience, and that requires loving him, seeking after him like a good father. And for those of you that have had good fathers, you know what I'm saying. You've, you've adored your father. You, you've adored him. And we should do the same thing for Jesus, but we don't treat him that way. We treat him that, you know, I got these problems, Lord, and I just want, I want to get through them. And he's a vending machine. We're, we, we need to come to him with praise. I was talking to the guys the other day, and, and we have to acknowledge who he is with praise and exactly who he is. Not, not just a list of, of what we want, 
an- another sign of a immature believer is when someone says, hey, hey, would you pray for me? And you say, sure, oh, hey, but I'll pray for you. And it's just words, just passing. You go home and you forget about it. Because he's not, he's not on your heart. You don't really care. It was just words. It's easy. I can say four or five words. Lord, I pray for Georgia and, you know, good, good night. That, that's a lot of people do. I was in that category at one time. But maturing in this word, I just lost my place here. Maturing in this word is what this is all about. Not, not, our, not, our, not ourselves, not going through our own problems. Don't look at the world. You, you want, you know, and I was into this too because I was on Facebook. I had to get off. This was the sin that so easily beset me. You have to watch what you say and what you do because we are lights to the world. And if you know, sometimes the our Father could just we could grieve the Spirit. He could just like shake his head. Oh, Kevin, you know, just like sometimes our, our fathers did with us. Why did you do that? I've told you five, six, seven times now. Why did you do that? We still do the same thing. Sometimes we learn and we mature. We never do it again. Sometimes we don't. Again, this is simple Christianity, but yet so hard. So hard. Why is it so hard? Because we don't know how to dwell on him enough. Reading, prayer, fellowship, as much as you can. Get away from the world. It's just, it's just going to, you know, our citizenship is where? Where? Okay. So our final destination is heaven. We, we need, we need to, to just be concentrating on that and others abiding in him, and we'll, we won't have that problem. So then, as it says then, why then do we still sin? Uh, this is the big one right here. Romans chapter 7. Everybody turn there, please. I'm going to go 13 through 25. And I'm going to put it in park here. I'm going to turn the engine off, and we're going to camp here for a little bit. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might pierce sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate to do, that's what I do. Anybody been in that boat? I used to say... Lord, you know I hate this. You know my heart's sincere. Why don't you just take this away from me? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But there's a reason because, you know, his grace is sufficient for us. And we need, he's just showing us to come to me. Come to me. Look at the story of the prodigal son. He went away, just blew everything. Some people have a lifestyle that was like that. When he came running back, what did Jesus do? What did, I mean, what did the father do, the good father? He came running, running with open arms to him. 
Jesus comes running to you. You don't want to lose any sheep. He is always there for you. Always there. Repent more. Read more. Pray more. Okay. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I don't find it. I don't know it. Where is it at? For the good that I will I do to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. I'm going to stop right there. I think we get the, the gist of this. Verse 11. I just lost my place. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Loving one another, I think that includes everybody saved. It's easy to love a brother or a sister in Christ. Sometimes it is. I mean, there's just some, Paul and Barnabas didn't get along. Doesn't mean they didn't love each other. Okay, there's going to be, little conflicts and stuff like that, but the love of Christ will overcome that if we yield to him, if we walk in the spirit, stay in the vine. Without the vine, you can do what? What? Can't do nothing without him. You know how long it took me to learn this? And I'm still learning it because I'm still a knucklehead. It, it, it's It's a process. <laughs> The audience out there, okay. Uh, let's go to verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother? Him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain was envious of Abel. All right. Forgive me here. 12 and 13. Do... Because as do not marvel, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brother. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murdering has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So what evidence do we have? Of loving each other. Think, think quietly by yourselves for a second. What evidence do we have of loving others? Are we interceding for them? Are we have a sincere prayer life for them? Do you make a phone call? Do you text them? Or do you just still have your same little circle of every one or two friends. We have a greeting committee here. Do you think it's just a greeting committee to say hi and engage with people as they come in? Or do you think it's everybody in here? Everybody. Everybody should be engaging in each other's lives and the guests that come in here and those outside were to love them too. It's it's not easy, but we go because we have so many problems. We have this thing called spiritual warfare, 
and it is very rampant, and we know it is. And we have those days where we're going through a season that we've drifted. And you don't know you drifted until you're out there. Picture yourself in a boat all of a sudden. You know, you're talking to your friend. you got your fishing line ready to go, and you're not ready to go yet. But, hey, we, we, we're not moored anymore. How do we get out of here? And then we ask the same question. How did I get here? It's very easy. Father, I've sinned. Forgive me. Restore me. Help me to do what's right again, Lord. Forgive me. It's that type of father-son relationship that we can have. Another feature and benefit of, the, of walking in him. It's strong. We can do it. Coming alongside, laughing and crying with somebody, rejoicing with them, encouraging. You know, somebody's upset and crying. I, 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 I got to admit, the waterworks come out on me. I, I can't stop sometimes. I'm an emotional guy. That's just the way I am. There's some people that are not, and that's fine. The Lord can work on that if it, he chooses to do so. Be ready if he chooses to do so. Okay. All right. Let's go to the last page. Verses 16. Let's go through verse 16 and 17. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? It doesn't. You know, I don't know if I could lay down my, my life for anybody. My, my answer right now would be, yeah, yeah, I think I'd be willing to do that. But the situation came up. I hope, that, I hope my relationship is strong enough to the Lord that I would. I would. But God doesn't want us to lay down our lives for him. God wants us to live for him. He doesn't want us to die for him. He wants us to live for him. He died for us. This was what his plan was from the beginning of the world, that he would come and become a man, live the same type of life that we go through, the same trials, the same temptations, overcome them, be sinless, and pay the penalty for us. That is a person that I want to follow, that I need to follow, that I need to be reminded to follow when I drift away, when I fall away from time to time. Because we all do it. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Am I right? Anybody here have a perfect walk with Jesus right now? I don't see any hands come up. No. But we need to have that desire to seek him. To come to the fountain. This is the fountain. I love coming here on Wednesdays. This is like an oasis. Not only do I get to, to you know, to, to barb with the friends here and have a little fun. There's nothing wrong with that. But we get to encourage each other. We get to learn who's suffering what. You know, we found out, you know, that Zach Adams is in the hospital really sick. So we, we have a chance to pray for that. We have a chance to show concern for other people. Why do we feel that? Because we're abiding in him. So once we're abiding in him, we're, we're going to have these, these type of feelings and this type of commitment that we want to, we want to please him. Uh, verses 18 through 24. We're going to probably on a few minutes here. My little children, 
let us love, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. I'll just reach all the way down to 24. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Again, do we we not want to please the Father? And this is his commandment, and that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given. Our heart can condemn us because it knows that we're a sinner, but yet Jesus gives us that victory by just... I want to read something here from uh, J. Vernon McGee. And he sums it up, this chapter, and he says, If our lives manifest these things that John has talked about, we will have an assurance when we come before God in prayer. John has made it very clear that it is possible to be ashamed of the appearing of Christ. A great many folk talk about the coming of Christ, but they don't seem to be doing anything. When you and I come into his presence, it is going to be a very awesome experience because he is going to demand some fruit. What have you been doing? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. One of his commandments is to get the word of God out and to take it to the ends of the earth. Are you involved in that in any way? Are you involved in anything that reveals that you are a child of God? If you were arrested today for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? That's what I want to close with. Pastor Mike, when you come up, close us in prayer, please.